Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. This summer, I took my nephews backpacking. I love to go backpacking, um, kind of out into the wilderness. Uh, I went with a bunch of guys from here a few years ago, and it was a blast. And so I've been doing it kind of on my own ever since. And, and my nephews, who are, who are a little too young at the time, have been like begging me. They live out in Denver. They're begging me to go backpacking uh, with me. And so um, this year, they were finally old enough. They're uh, 10, 11, and 12 years old. And, um, and so, okay, we're going to go up and we're going um, to get up in, above the tree line and we'll go backpacking. Well, um, it was a blast. We had a great time on our way up. Uh, my, the, the, the boys are just, they're the best. They're so much fun. We get to the top um, and we, kind of the, we were going to take it kind of easy. We were just going to climb up and over this ridge and then um, down into the next valley and camp right at the tree line and then spend a day there and then camp again and then come back out. Well, we get up and over and we get into the valley and, um, and one of my nephews, Lando, uh, he starts feeling pretty terrible. You know, he's like, the, at that first night, you know, we, it, was, it, was a, it was pretty good. You know, it was about seven miles of tough hiking for those, for those boys. And I just thought, you know, he's, he's dead tired. And so we, we set up camp. And um, let's just say he ate and then lost it immediately. And I was like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. And, um, my, and he's just the best kid in the world. And he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, and so we just decided it's, it'll be okay. We'll just, you know, make sure you drink lots of water. We'll see how you feel in the morning. We get up in the morning and, um, and eats breakfast. And guess what? He just, uh, he just couldn't stop um, vomiting and so you know obviously now some of you guys would, uh, I, you didn't know that the sermon was going to start with vomiting today I'll bet um, but uh, so we're up there and um, and it's really clear that he's got altitude sickness there's just you know and if, if any of you know if any of you ever climbed mountains you know there's only one cure for altitude sickness and that's to get down off the mountain and he was heartbroken. I mean, he, he did not want to be the guy that, um, that kept everybody from having fun. And so, but, you know, 6 a.m., we were like, okay, let's pack back up. We got to get down off the mountain. Because, and I'm telling you, he, he tried everything he could try to get me to, to say, it'll be fine. We'll be okay. But, you know, you, you can't have a kid up there who can't keep anything down. You got to get off the mountain. There's no choice. Because uh, when, when it comes to that moment, the, we're talking a life and death decision here. You don't just ke- keep an 11-year-old up on the mountain who can't keep water in him. Um, and so, so uh, it it was hard, and we, it ended up taking us all day to get back. Um, but as soon as we got down off the mountain, guess what? He started feeling great. <laughs> and he, what was the first thing he said? Can we go back up? <laughs> you know why? Because he's a dumb 11-year-old. That's why. <laughs> uh, but here's, a, I, I tell the story to, to, to let you know, you know, 
I've, I've been in these situations a few times, and the, the question of, oh, should we go home, should we leave, is always kind of a difficult question, you know, like, oh, maybe, maybe weather comes in, and I, I don't know, should I, should I stay that extra day, should I not, you know, that can be, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, but it's, it's, it's a kind of a difficult decision in the moment. This was not a difficult decision. Because when, when decisions, when moments come down to life and death, the decisions get really, really easy, right? This was not a decision to make. You gotta take the kid down. And so today, I wanna talk about life and death. I wanna talk, I actually, I wanna let Paul um, talk about it in Romans 8, uh, 12 and 13. That's, those are the only two verses we're going to look at today. But I want, I want to let Paul redefine for us the, the, the under, our understanding of the words life and death. Because the truth is we all think we know what life and death are supposed to mean. Um, and I, I would suggest that Paul would like to redefine those things for us. But before we do... Um, I'd like for us to start by, um, by remembering the ultimate life and death decision that was made. And so if you brought, uh, if you got your communion already, why don't you go ahead and pull that out right now. If you haven't, there's communion around the, the room. You can go grab one. Um, you know, I, I think we forget that Jesus was a dude. You know what I mean? I think we just forget that he was like, if you were around at the time, he was just a person that you could like elbow in the stomach. You know what I mean? Like he was just a, he was a, not just, but he was a guy. He was a dude. And there came, I mean, obviously he was God. Obviously he was more than just a dude, but he had a body like you and me. And when there came a life and death choice, it was not easy for him. It wasn't. It's, the Bible makes that pretty clear. It wasn't just a, yeah, can't wait to go to the cross. He prays to Jesus, or prays to God. He says, he says if there's any other way, if there's any other way, please, and the word he uses is, please let this cup pass from me. And what he's saying is, don't make me do this if I don't have to do this, but, and then the very famous phrase, not my will be done, but yours alone. And so Jesus, when it was the ultimate life and death decision, he, he didn't want to have to go to the cross. He knew what, what pain was awaiting him. He knew that it was going to be awful. And yet, in that life and death moment, he chose the cross for you and for me and for his friends. And so he sat around with his friends and um, he took the bread. So why don't you guys go ahead and take the bread out? He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And then he looked around the table and he looked at his friends and he said, this, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it and drink. 
And then he gave himself to be crucified for you and for me. Because he knew that when there was a life and death decision to be made, there's no decision to be made. It wasn't just about the life of his friends. It was the life of millions, billions, trillions possibly of people. And um, in, that includes you and me. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes we, I think especially guys, uh, we think about, when we're younger, we think about would we be willing to sacrifice ourselves for somebody else? You know, like, and I'm sure, listen, if you're a parent, you've thought about this, right? Like, what would you do for your kid? You would do anything for your kid. Would you sacrifice yourself for the sake of your kid? Would you give your life to save their life in a heartbeat, right? Parents don't, wouldn't even think about that. Of course. And the, the reality is, I, it's, it's almost instinctual. I don't think that that's a, you, you see this happen all the time, especially moms. Moms are willing to give themselves up for their children, um, but I, I got to be honest with you. I think, I think we like the idea. Or when you remember when uh, everything happened over in Columbine, and there was, there were kids who were asked to um, deny. And would you say that you are going to uh, that you would stick with Jesus even if there was a gun in your face? You know, you think would you be willing to do that? The truth is, it's a whole lot easier to die for someone you love than it is to live for someone you love. Okay, I don't see a lot of agreement in the room. I would suggest that it is easier to die for the people you love than it is to live for the people you love. It's easier for, it would be easier for me to lay my life down to save my girls. I got two daughters and a wife, and I would do it in a half second. It, because life and death decisions are easy in that moment. It's so much easier to, lay, to say I would lay. But the question is, am I willing in, in my life, am I willing to live for them? Am I willing to set aside the stuff that I want on a daily, hourly basis for the sake of the people that I love? It's easier, to give, uh, it's easier to consider giving up my life to die for the people that I love than it would be to live for them. I, um, Mandy was in Florida in, in December. I was home alone. My daughter Ashley has her own apartment. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make some brownies that I can then eat like one a day for a little while, and I had, I, I kind of made my food plan and everything, and I had, had it all planned out, and then Ashley, my other daughter, came, came over and um, stole. There's no other way to say it. She came over, she stole, she ate, and then she texted me. Do you know what I'm saying? And then, but her text was, hey, I ate a brownie. Can I take a couple more? Come on now. And listen, I know what the right answer is. Do you know what I said? No! Make your own stupid brownies. 
we get to Christmas, and, you know, we're, we didn't do Christmas presents this year. We, we helped another family, and we just, because we all talked about it. My kids are grown, and why, why do we need to give Christmas presents right now? And, and, but, but Ashley wanted to give little things, and so she, she <laughs> brought some Christmas presents, and she, she brought me a, uh, a it was like a, just a box, and, um, and it was wrapped, and on the front, he, she said, to help you learn about sharing, and it was a box of brownie mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a whole lot easier to say you die for somebody than it is to live for, to give up your brownies for the people that you love. Um, Paul is going to redefine life and death in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. You know, we're in this series, Romans 8, and, um, and we're just going to take a couple of verses today. Um, let's read it together. I'll, I'll read it for you here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I'm going to read it one more time. We'll come back to it over and over, but I just, since it's such a short scripture, I want you to hear it a couple of times. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Clearly, we all have this idea when we say life and death, what we mean is like the heart, the, 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 the scientific biological processes that keep our body alive, right? That's when, when we talk about life and death decisions, that's what we're talking about. But Paul is redefining life and death in a spiritual way. It's not about your heartbeat or breath in your lungs. It's about something deeper. Um, John Stott sums up this ver- these two verses so well. He says, there is a life that leads to death, and there is a death that leads to life. I, I believe that there are a lot of people walking around right now who are spiritual zombies. There's a show I watch that, um, that is quite irreverent, so I'm not even going to tell you what the show is, um, but there's this, guy, there's this character who loves Easter because he calls it Zombie Jesus Day. Is that funny? Come on, that's great. Jesus raising from the dead and walking around, that's the definition of a zombie. Zombie Jesus Day. Okay, now that is not what I'm talking about, I, but there are a bunch of people walking around as spiritual zombies. They, they got breath in their lungs and no hope in their heart. They've got, they, they have the appearance of life. But in the, on the inside, they're dead. And I got to be honest with you. I think a lot of us, when I said that, you pictured people out there. You pictured people at work. Right? You picture people who are far from God. You picture people who don't know Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, I believe there are a ton of spiritual zombies who go to church every week. 
I'm talking about us. We might have breath in our lungs, but no hope in our hearts. I mean, we have this idea of how it's supposed to be, but we, we feel this, and Paul calls it an obligation to the flesh. I mean, that's what he warns us about. He warns about having this obligation to our flesh. And, and you know, last week, Kellen talked about how the flesh, I mean, it's, it's a word we don't really use nowadays, but flesh is really just about ourself. Flesh is self. It's about having an obligation. Paul is warning us, before he redefines life and death, he's warning us about having an obligation, this thing, this obligation to myself. I got to take care of me. An obligation to create a life that is easy. I'm telling you, we have it. There's something inside of us that says one of our deepest needs is to create a life that makes our, uh, ourselves comfortable. Uh, financially, to create a life that makes, us, makes it easy for us in every way. Relationally, we feel like, and listen, all you got to do is get on social media and you'll uh, see a ton of it. You got to take care of yourself. It's really about you. You take care of you. Um, Paul's saying that we got to be careful about an obligation to the self. Uh, another way that we are obligated to ourselves is we have an obligation. We feel like there's this obligation to protect ourselves from others. I see it all the time. I'm going to shut myself off from that person because I don't want to get hurt. I'm going to be rude to that person before they can be rude to me. I'm going I'm to be hurtful. Because they have been hurtful to me. And the whole point is protecting ourselves because we feel like we have, there is this deep primal obligation to the self. Obligation to the flesh. Um, especially as Christians. Can I tell you another one that we've got? We have this deep desire. This obligation to ourself that says I need to be right we grew up in church we grew up learning a bunch of stuff that we are absolutely convinced about and we have this deep need for all of that to be right and so what do we do with that we argue with people on Facebook we we ostracize people who don't agree with us. Try to make sure people who are, we, we talk about them in a way that is, oh, poor them. Do, do you realize that, that that's how we come off often? That, um, man, we really have it figured out. They, whoever they are, they just don't, maybe we don't hate them, but we're just like, oh, we feel so sorry for you because you're dumb and we're smart. Right? And um, man, that's part of the obligation to self, to feel superior, to feel like we're right and they're wrong. 
when our life is taken over by our obligation to self, that is the life that leads to death. John Stott said, there is a life that leads to death. And I'm not, uh, yes, yes, I am talking about spiritual, eternal death. I know that that is part of it, that that's part of what he's talking about. But he's not just talking about eternal life here. I believe he is talking about spiritual zombies. When we live with an obligation to ourselves, that is the life that leads to spiritual death in the here and now. That's the life. When we are living so self-consumed, trying to protect ourselves, and I, I would suggest that we throw, we could even put our family in that, if, if, if all we care about is ourselves and our family, that's still about ourselves. When we do that, when we live a life like that, that is what produces spiritual zombies. Um, but, but, and here comes the good news. The second half of this scripture, if by the Spirit, you put to death. Wait, let's stop right there. If by the Spirit, you put to death, and, and I just want to stop there because it's a, there is a, there, there's a, there's a ton to unpack, but, but in that moment, there's this thing called parallel structure uh, in writing, uh, and, and often in scripture you see parallel structure. And, and what it would look like if, if there was parallel structure, it says if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Parallel structure would say, he would go on by saying, the, but if you live according to the spirit, you will live, right? That's what parallel, but he, that's not what he does. You, you think he's setting it up. If you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But then he switches it up. He says, but if by the Spirit you put the flesh to death. And so I just, I want to remind us. I think this is such an, those, those three words, by the Spirit, are so important. Because I think the idea is like, oh, I've got to work really hard at not being obligated to the flesh, obligated to myself. I've got to work really hard. That's not what this says. If by the Spirit you put to death yourself, the misdeeds of the body. If by, if, now, I just, I, I don't want to pretend that the Spirit does all the work. But I also don't want to pretend that you're doing all of the work. There is this partnership. He's saying that you can live according to the flesh, and it's, you're going to be like a spiritual zombie. But if you partner with the Holy Spirit, he will help you put to death yourself. And if you put to death yourself, that's when you find life. There is a life that leads to death. And there is a choosing of death to self that leads to real life. And I'm telling you, most of us, if we have walked with Jesus for any amount of time, we know that when we are at our best is when 
We have put to death the obligation to self. That's when we're at our best. That's when life works the best. Um, there's a lot of people who just, I, I, I walk, I, I, I watch a lot of people walk in and I say, How, how's it going? And they say, uh, it's winter, you know? Like, oh, it's cold. Yes, it is cold. I agree, and I'm 100% on board. And then there are some people who walk in and say, I say, how are you doing? And they say, I'm making it. Anybody ever said that? I have. I'm making it. I'm surviving. Putting one foot in front of the other. And that's, honestly, I got to be honest. That's how winter feels to me a lot. And then I get all of this all these, all these thoughts that go through my brain, if only, if only it wasn't quite so cold, then life would be better, right? If only I could take a vacation somewhere warm, right? Like, if only I could move somewhere. You know, there are people, <laughs> we've been on vacation, Mandy will say, you know, there are people who live here. But that's the stuff that goes through your brain, right? When you're, just, when you're just making it. When you're just putting one foot in front of the other. When you're just trying not to go crazy. You just feel like I just have to make it through until the next thing that doesn't stink. You know? And we think to ourselves, we buy into the lie that if I just could make enough money to take vacations, or if I just could move to the right place, or if I just could get the right job, or just could whatever, then my life would be so much better. Do you see how that is just a manifestation of the obligation to self? You know why? Because if I went to that place where people actually live, that my wife says, you know what I would find? A bunch of other spiritual zombies for a whole bunch of other reasons. Because the obligation to self doesn't lead to life. That's what we think. We think if I just went to the right place, if I was, if I was just married to the right person, if I just had the right job, if I just made enough money, we think that all of those things are going to get us to life. And Jesus says those are all the obligations to the self. That leads to death. That leads to spiritual zombies. That leads to people who are doing what we feel, what I feel in the winter. But if you put to death all of that desire, if by the Spirit you take all of that and you set it at the foot of the cross and you say, I am going to live according to the Spirit, then you have life. Paul is clear. We only get past just surviving when we let go of our obligation to the self. When we put it to death. Jesus said it. He said, if anyone would come after me, he should what? Deny themselves. 
themselves to death. Put to death the self. Pick up their crosses and follow me. There is a life that leads to death. And we choose it a lot. But there is a death that leads to life. And i got to be honest with you. This is not binary. This is not one or the other. It's not like you made that one decision that one time and now I'm good. I live the life that leads to death or I live the death that leads to life. That's not how it works. It's a, it's a continuum. And it's not just a continuum. It, it's a continuum that we go back and forth on over the course of our life. Sometimes we figure it out and we are living that death that leads to life. We are putting to death ourselves. We believe that the only way to real life is by partnering with the Spirit to put to death all of the misdeeds of the flesh, all of the stuff that is self-oriented in us. And we get it. And there are times that that really works. And then there are other times in our life where we are completely consumed by trying to trying to keep up with the Joneses, by trying to, to make ourselves comfortable, by doing all of the things that we think are going to make us happy, content. And so, what do you do? I mean, best case scenario, right? We just live over here where we have this sense that God is, is helping me put to death myself at every moment. But here's what I know. That's not how life works. I've been doing this a while now. And I know that I, I'm going to go back and forth at times. And so what, what do we do? The plus is we're not doing it alone. We get to partner with the Holy Spirit. But here's what I know. We will find ourselves over here. And so what, we, what do we need to do? Remind ourselves. Submit. Submit. I, let's just go back and live over here. And let's, let's, let's decide that I'm going to put to death myself. And then that'll work for a little bit. And then I'll slowly leak this direction. Because something, there, there is a pull, isn't there? There's a, I don't know what it is. You would, you would think we'd learned our lesson. If you've ever lived over here and really felt like the Holy Spirit was working in your life, you would think you would just stay here forever. But that's not how it works. We have this nature in us that pulls us over here to the self. And so here, here's what I want to leave you with. And the band can come back out here. Because we're going to sing one last song. But here's what I want to leave you with. We're going to talk about over and over the fact that we find ourselves pulled toward the self. And we can beat ourselves up about it. We can feel guilty for it. But the, the worst thing that we can do is think that there's nothing we can do about it. That if I just keep finding my way over here, I might as well just give myself over completely to the self. The truth is, every time we, we lose our way, every time we walk back over in that direction, every time self takes over in us, we also then get... Does anybody else feel really, really terrible about themselves when they do? Like when you find yourself like... Man, I am back in this place that I thought I would never be again, that I promised God I would never be again. 
And so there is something in us, especially if we grew up in the church, there's something in us that feels so guilty that after a little while, we feel like a complete fake when we're over there and we say, I want to follow you again, God. I want to I put to death myself so that I can live the real life. Does anybody ever feel like a fake? Because I've been here 20, 30, 50, 100 times. How many times is God going to believe that I want to live over there? If I keep finding myself over here, how many times? Is it, do you ever feel like a fake? I do. How many times, God, are you going to believe me that I actually really do want to live over there? And you know what his answer is? How many times you've got? Every single time. Here's, here's what life looks like, life following Jesus. We submit to the work of the Holy Spirit to put to death ourself. And then we leak. And then we submit again. And then it, we forget. We get distracted by the world. And then we submit again. And this is the way. This is how a life with Jesus is lived. This is part of it. It is normal. It, is not, it doesn't make you a terrible person. And when you find yourself far from God, the last thing he wants is for you to think, God isn't even going to believe me this time. He's saying, how many times do you got? Because we're going to do it until Jesus comes back or until we go to him. That's part of life. So can we all just take the weight of guilt and throw it off? Because that, that's, the, that's probably the number one tool that the enemy has to keep you from finding Jesus and finding God and what he wants for your life is just, I feel terrible about myself. The last thing I want to do is tell God that I want to do better because he's not going to believe me anyway. So I just, if you, feel, if you find yourself in that place, in the back and forth, and you feel terrible about it, can I just say, that's life. That's, you're doing it right. This is how, it, how it's going to be because nothing is perfect right now. There will come a day when we won't be doing that, but it ain't going to happen in this world because we always have the pull of the self. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.